Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Sam. And I'm Caitlin. Today I'm going to talk about what I believe to be quite a well-known case and it was recommended to us by our listeners Nadia and Martin. This is a case of the murder of Margaret Fleming. So, Caitlin, I'm guessing you have heard of this one. Yes, I know a bit about it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite very well known, as I say. But I say this, but just to shout out to Lucy and Shay, because every time we say something that's well known, they're like, what is that? I've never yeah, heard of it yeah. in my life. So, you know, some people don't know it's well known. Anyway, Margaret was 19 when she was last seen in December 1999. But it was not until October 2016 that a missing person investigation was launched. So I'll take you to the beginning of Margaret Fleming. Margaret Fleming was born in 1980 and she lived with her mum, Margaret Senior, and her dad, Derek. <clears throat> she attended Slaymuir Primary School and showed early signs of learning difficulties as she struggled with reading and writing and had additional learning support throughout her time in primary school and when she went to high school. Now, she lived in Port Glasgow, so she attended Port Glasgow High School, which is in Inverclyde. She was a quiet child, the type where teachers would try and encourage you to join in activities and group work. And she didn't really have any friends. She struggled to make them. However, Margaret wasn't desperate to make friends and she wasn't always trying to be part of the crowd. She was mega close with her dad. And they were like best friends and would always be looking out for one another. Elaine Muir, a teacher at Port Glasgow High School, said she was she was quite isolated. She and her dad were a wee unit. She was concerned about him and he was concerned about her. In a 1995 report from her teacher, Elizabeth Brown, she wrote, Margaret Fleming has moderate learning difficulties. She works fairly well to her ability, but needs written instructions set out simply and gone over verbally. And then she later reflected, if you left Margaret on her own, she would do very little. You had to prod her to do the work. Her marks were all at the very bottom end of the school. So that's kind of a small overview of Margaret. Now, in 1993, when Margaret was 12, her mum and dad got divorced after 20 years of marriage. So Margaret moved into her grandparents' house with her dad, and her mum didn't really have much to do with them at the time. Now, her dad, Derek, he was a tradesman, but he later went on to study law and became a lawyer because he wanted a better life and to provide for himself and Margaret. Now, nice. mm-hmm. throughout 1995, Derek had been in and out of hospital and he had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm. Now, he didn't tell Margaret this because he didn't know how she would react and he didn't want it to affect her mm-hmm. now Derek he deteriorated really fast and Margaret started to cotton on that something wasn't quite right because you know it doesn't matter what kind of learning difficulties you have if you're really close to her dad like she was you can tell something's up even oh, if you're yeah, not being yeah. told it now Due to the stress that it was causing Margaret, she started to act out 
she was becoming hard to handle she would argue with her grandparents all the time because remember she's living in that house with the three of them oh yeah so she is now on the 20th of october 1995 Margaret's mum organised a meeting with Inverclyde Council Social Work Office, hoping to sort out her behavioural issues, because obviously all this arguing and she was quite aggressive. During the meeting, the social worker asked Margaret a number of questions so that she could just get an understanding of how she felt and what she was thinking. Now, this report stated that Margaret does not know why her father is in hospital and is afraid it is something serious. So the social worker had noted that she had a very strong bond with her dad, like I said earlier, and that she felt rejected by her mum because they didn't get on that well. And like when the divorce happened, she went to live with the dad. Now, Margaret was a quiet, lonely girl and she was rather isolated and she had really only been spending time with her elderly grandparents and she was just surrounded by ill health and just uncertainty. You know, so it wasn't the best kind of year, you know. Now, only five days after the social work visit, her dad, Derek, sadly lost his battle with cancer and died, which Aww. obviously left Margaret absolutely devastated. Oh, bless her. Now, in the months leading up to Derek's death, he had gotten engaged to a woman he had been seeing called Jean McSherry, and she was from Glasgow. Although they had only been together for a very short time, Jean had formed a good relationship with Margaret and knew that if she were to have a life with Derek, then Margaret would be a huge part of that life. And she accepted that. They were even planning to get their own place in the future and have Margaret live with them. She helped Margaret to eat healthy, cook, and helped her out with, you know, beauty and fashion, kind of like just a nice woman role in Margaret's Mm -hmm, life. mm -hmm. Now, after Derek's death, Jean had not been a stepmother to Margaret, so she had no legal right to custody, even though they were both fond of one another. So, leading up to Derek's death, he noted that his parents were too elderly and frail to fully look after and care for Margaret. Now, during this time, Margaret Sr., she still had little to no relationship with Margaret, and she didn't see her often. But Derek stated before he died that if her mother or Jean could not take custody of Margaret, that he would prefer his friends, Edward Kearney and Avril Jones, to take care of her as their own. Edward Kearney had spoken to, do to Margaret. That, do you know I mean, that must be, they must be very good friends. Mega close. Like, especially, you know, if you're married to someone called who you're close to and she does have a mum if he's saying oh Mm -hmm. if they don't get custody then these two folk will like that's a huge thing um edward kearney he had spoken to margaret senior at derek's funeral to say that he was happy to accept derek's wishes and to look after margaret however she thanked edward and went on to look after margaret herself now so to start with margaret returned to her mum's and lived with her there But they, like before, they did not have a good relationship and they argued all the time. Now, remember, Margaret is a teenager now as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, she must be a nightmare. Now, Margaret Senior, she reported that Margaret would physically beat her at the slightest question of what she had been doing. So another visit to the social worker's office was arranged. 
just to, you know, to see how we can sort this out and make it better. Now, after they had been to the social worker, Denise Monroe stated, Margaret is quite a naive girl, quite vulnerable, quiet, lonely, sad, and did not have many friends. When I went to her house to pick up Margaret, I would have a conversation with her mum, who found it difficult as she had lived on her own and had an adolescent girl who was missing her dad. So that was a note from the social worker. Now, Which of course is missing her dad, like that was to be expected. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is just, it's just not a good environment for them both, not even just one or other. Now, after this and all the fighting, it just became too much of a struggle. And they were both living unhappy lives. It was just toxic. So Margaret Senior decided to take Edward, Edward Kearney, up on his offer of looking after young Margaret. So, you know, this sounds like great. This could be a way out. And you know, happy living. So Edward and Avril, they only lived 10 miles away from Port Glasgow in Inverkip. However, it was a complete change of scenery. So Inverkip is a small village on the west coast and it's very remote. Um, It's kind of more like, I don't know, I don't know much about it because I've never really even been to Port Glasgow, but I think Port Glasgow is, you know, the leftovers of the shipping era, you know, before that all went that's how I would have described it I've not been either but that's what I was envisioning mm-hmm. yep and then Inverkip is kind of on the outskirts kind of like countryside okay now they lived in Seacroft which was a five-bedroom bungalow situated on the banks of Inverkip Bay and that looked out onto the Firth of Clyde to Dunoon and Dunellan and they were next to a wooded area where they could go walking, they could go exploring, you know, completely different, not a built-up area at all. Very remote. Now, over the next year or so, Margaret, she was more settled. She was, you know, she was having a happier lifestyle. And she spent time between her mum in Port Glasgow and Edward in Avril in Inverkip. Inverkip. However, in 1997... Oh, no. hmm Margaret Senior had a dispute with Edward and Avril over Margaret living there as she felt that she had just been away from home for too long and, you know, it's been long enough and she should just come back, you know. So she travelled to Inverkip to bring Margaret home. But a dispute between Margaret Senior and Edward took place where Margaret Senior claims she had been attacked and assaulted. She claimed that Edward had pinned her against... Sorry, I was just going to say, I just don't understand how, like, he's got, like, he has no relation to her. So, like, even if he's built up a relationship with Margaret, right, like, if our mum's been like, right, she's been away from home, I think it's time to come back. Yeah, like, he can be sad and be like, oh, we've enjoyed having her stay, but you can't be like, no. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Uh-huh. I totally agree with you. Um, So, Margaret claimed that Edward pinned her against a cupboard and spat in her face and then shouted young Margaret down the stairs you know not a great situation in front of them both where Edward asked where do you want to live now Margaret senior she said that clearly this answer that Margaret gave was because she was a bit nervous because Margaret said you're not going to be like actually want to leave my mum cheers yeah you've even told me an answer but I can guess that if that was in that situation I'm like, oh, I better see what makes him happy. 
Yep, you're completely right because Margaret said that she wanted to stay there. Um, which you're just like, if you're going to put someone in that awful situation, like you said, you're going to say, oh, well, the angry man, I'm clearly going to stay with him. Yeah, exactly, before you start shouting at me. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what poor girl. Mm-hmm. And this isn't even, you know, she's still got learning difficulties. It's not like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, which doesn't mean that, oh, well, this is worse for her. But at the same time, it's it's not like she can just... She takes longer to process leave. things. Mm-hmm. So this will be like... She'll be so confused. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So after all of this and all of the fighting, Margaret Senior, she couldn't do anything about it. So she just had to leave. She made a report to the police about the event, obviously, that took place, and a welfare check was made at the home. Unfortunately, this didn't get taken any further after the attending police officer spoke to young Margaret, you know? So clearly, and young Margaret's not going to be like, help me, this is awful. Which is horrible, but like it's, it's a bit of paper. Like this person, you know, especially somewhere that doesn't have a lot of crime and stuff, they're just going to do their bit. They've been like, yeah, yeah, we've checked on her. She says she's fine. Signed a bit of paper, it's done. You know, they're not going to be like, mm, I'm just going to keep doing it. If they've gone and it's an easy job, they're going to be like, okay, next. Yeah, exactly. I don't need to do all this paperwork. I'm done. Now, after that visit, Margaret Senior received a typed up letter, supposedly from young Margaret, which said that she no longer wished to see her mother and therefore she no longer went to see Margaret and why should she because she felt that she was unwanted and it just so it was she typed just didn't up. show up no we didn't yeah. do that herself no but right. at okay. the same time you know it's not like they were mega close and it was already a frayed relationship so it's just not a good situation at all now after this Edward and Avril they now took sole responsibility for Margaret and they applied to become her full carers, which resulted in them receiving the incapacity benefit payments for her, which were paid directly into Avril's bank account. Margaret, she was well known Hmm. around the village. Yes, if that doesn't seem fishy, what does? Or like, yeah, it'd be different if Margaret had her own bank account. And it was like, oh, you're looking after her. You'll be getting, like, obviously money for her because, like, she needs to have money to live so you can use it for her food and stuff that you're providing as her carer. But it shouldn't just be, here you go, have the money. Yeah. But remember, I've not said millions of bad things about this couple. Yeah, Edward, he sounds like an awful man. Yeah, Edward doesn't sound ideal, to be fair. Yeah, but for what we know so far... These could be genuinely like, we want to look after Margaret, you know? Yeah, I mean, Margaret's mum could be lying. You're correct. Sorry, I'm just mm-hmm. judging. Don't you worry. <laughs> now, she was well known around the village, like I said, and while she was staying there, apparently Margaret decided to shave her head. So that, no doubt, made her presence more known in the village. Fair enough. You know, like... And as much as we wish that society wouldn't stare, they, they yeah, would. Yeah. They'd be Especially like, back then. Yeah, and this is a small village. Like, if you've got a new person coming in and then, oh, look, she's shaved her head, you're going you're gonna to notice her. Now, they frequently, all three of them, 
they had people around the house, they had gatherings, parties, barbecues, and it's noted that friends and family saw that Margaret and Edward had a close relationship. So I'm guessing it could stem no. from she was close with her dad, you know, and she's like, oh, well, this, you know, Edward is the next best thing. Who knows? It could completely just be what he's showing to the crowd. Now, in March 1999, Avril's family gathered at the home to celebrate her parents' Ruby wedding anniversary, which is 40 years, if you don't know that. Now, there's a photo of Margaret with long hair because it's grown and she's standing next to Avril's parents. Wow, time. Yeah. So as the years passed, family and friends, they began to notice that the three of them started to become quite reclused and the contact and barbecues, they all began to stop. However, this did not raise any concerns from anyone. It was just like, oh, everything's just coming to a halt. They're just retracting. It's just the three of them now. In 2016, so jump forward, Avril filled out a form asking for an enhanced carer's allowance for looking after Margaret, which, if accepted, would result in Avril receiving a larger sum of money. The information provided on the form, however, raised concerns and on the 28th of October 2016, the social work office asked the police to attend the home of Margaret Fleming. As with the raised concerns following receipt of the application form, the social work office realised a failing on their part as there had been a complete lack of visits and contact with Margaret herself within the last 18 years of her living right. with Edward and Avril. 18 years. There had been a note, though, of one visit from an employee from the Department of Work and Pensions who in 2012 had went to go and speak with Margaret. However, Avril answered the door and informed the worker that Margaret would not see her due to her mental health. And so they didn't physically see Margaret. The employee, though, did note on their visiting log that the house and the surroundings were in a poor state and upon further investigation, noted that Margaret wasn't registered with any local GP, so therefore had no access to any general health treatment. This was referred How back... How is this, like, noted, though, but nothing happening? So that it's just, you know, they've got to put it on the systems. Doesn't mean they have to do anything about it, unfortunately. So this was, though, referred back to the social work to investigate further and do a follow-up. But unfortunately... Avril did not consent to this. So it was marked in the report she that... she have to consent? Because she's a carer. So it was reported that referrer right. did not ascertain client's permission to make a referral. Therefore, no further action can be taken in relation to this. So there was no follow-up visits. Nothing else took place until the police went in 2016. Now... Obviously, we can hindsight everything like this, but I think this was a big case for social work to be like, look, we need to we need to change our protocol and maybe procedures. Or I get, though, they are so overwhelmed with work. Like, this isn't just a, you know, let's beat them. But I just mean, it's a big oversight. 
Yeah, of course, of course. Like, I do get it's an oversight and I get they're busy, but come on. Mm -hmm. Now, when the police attended the home in 2016, Avril answered the door and said that Margaret was unavailable and couldn't speak with them. Edward then came and stated that Margaret had just left and that she must have walked past them. Now, the police then said that that couldn't have been possible because they even have an officer stationed out the back and he confirmed that we didn't see Margaret. Now, anyway, the police decided to leave it there and they arranged that they'll check in at a later date. Now, later that day, however, the police received a call from Edward and Avril reporting that Margaret had gone missing and they were unable to find her. So the police began to investigate the recent movements of Margaret to trace her, as she so would with a right. missing person. But First they stop, were having to get care allowance and everything, like should she have been going out somewhere that much on her own but that's just me I'm sorry carry on yeah no I, I get you now obviously the first stop was to speak with you know her caterers Edward and Avril because like you said they're looking after this woman now they went to the home of Edward and Avril on the 1st of November 2016 the place was a complete mess it was dirty it was covered with junk all over the floor along with dog hair and dog dirt so the place was stinking oh this is not going well now upon searching the attic which was margaret's bedroom they saw that the internal walls had been knocked down the carpets had been ripped up and the police couldn't even find a bed so where would margaret have slept you think if they're gonna like no sorry carry on yeah, they should have planned it better. Like, if you're going to report someone missing, put a bed in the room. Yeah, like, but at this stage of the story, like, she generally could be missing. But <laughs> if you then know that, like, police are going to be in your house and stuff, you'd at least have an explanation for it. Yeah, yeah. Now, also, another strange kind of setup was that the living room only had two armchairs which were set up to face the TV. There's supposed to be three of them in that house. So... Edward and Avril, they were obstructing the search for Margaret because they were unable to give any decent enough details in the help to locate her. They couldn't even I provide... I just understand. Like, what? Yeah. They couldn't sorry, even... like, I'm just so confused at like, how it's even documented. Like, oh, sorry, they didn't have any details. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's even difficult to make something up. Like, they're not... They're either terrible caterers or also terrible liars. Like, I think they're both, to be fair. Yeah, I'm going to say 100% both. Because, um, yeah, at least if you're going to phone the police again, make a story up first. You've got 16 years to, to get this right. Now, they could only provide a photo because uh, they needed a photo, you know, missing person, got a finder, from 1999. We're in 2016. What? Yep. Now, yeah, okay, that, they're going to look identical. Mm -hmm. So there's practically nothing left in the house that belonged to Margaret either, apart from some clothes and a toy penguin. Now, the place was so jam-packed with boxes filled with all of their junk that a wall had to be removed from the back of their house so that the police could make space. Now, I'm not sure, I'm sure, like on the news and things, like you'll have seen this, a photo of the house maybe with the whole wall being removed but yeah i remember so it. we can filled. put it on our instagram and stuff if people haven't seen it because it's wild 
Uh-huh, absolutely. Now, Police Scotland then set up a lab, a lab, a laboratory outside their home to enable them to check all of the items, you know, go through everything. This is like, you know, have you seen Extreme Hoarders? On yeah, yeah, TLC yeah, that's or what it's like. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, they searched every room one by one with luminol as they were looking for traces of blood. And Detective Superintendent Livingston said it was so detailed. They, re- they recovered two scabs from a bedroom. We examined them for DNA and it came back that they were both Avril's. So, you know, this is a huge search. If you find two scabs in a room, like, wow. How can you identify them as scabs? I know. I think just work is just amazing, like how they can see that. I'm like, I can't even see a bus number when it's coming up. Like, anyway, not the point. Now, the items given over by Edward and Avril had no DNA trace of Margaret's, you know, because she's apparently still living there. But luckily for police, a routine blood sample taken from when she was born had been held by the NHS, which doesn't always happen. So, yeah. Thankfully, it did happen this time round. Now, this allowed the police to cross-check between all of the unidentified dead bodies across the UK, which resulted in no matches with Margaret. The both of them also handed over a pile of letters that they reportedly received from Margaret after she left their home. So now they're saying that Margaret left their home. Now, the first letter from January 2000 was sent from Carlisle. And another two, just a few days after, reportedly sent from the Regent Palace Hotel in London. So this is Margaret sending letters after she's travelled by herself. Now, the police recruited help from Margaret's old English teacher, Jacqueline Cahill, who remembered Margaret very well. And she said that these letters were not something that Margaret would have been capable of writing. In her own opinion, Margaret struggled to write up to 100 words and had a reading level of an eight-year-old. So how on earth is she going to, you know, write letters to them and post them? Now, Richard Jones, Avril's brother, when questioned, recalled last seeing Margaret on the 17th of December, 1999. He recalled Margaret playing with his two children. Avril's mum, Florence, however, could not recall seeing Margaret at Christmas dinner in 1999 and said that Avril had told her that she had run off with a traveller and didn't return. It was around this time when they started to become recluses. So, you know, back at the start when I said all the barbecues stopped yeah, yeah. practically after Christmas 1999. Now, Rosemary Connolly of Avril she stated that she had never once seen Margaret, even though she had visited the house many times over these years. The police even spoke with neighbours, all of whom couldn't recall ever seeing Margaret. Because remember, I said she was very well known, but that was back in 1999. We're now in 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neighbours change. So the police, they also ended up using sniffer dogs in the hopes of finding Margaret or, you know, just a trace of her, which resulted in them being led to signs of decomposition in the back garden. So they excavated all the back garden. Again, there'll be photos of this we can put on our Instagram if you've not already seen them from the news. Now, they searched the whole back garden over five months and found bone fragments, but unfortunately... They were so badly charred, they could not confirm if they were human 
or animal bone. So again, it's mental. All that work, but it's just inconclusive. Now, one revelation found by officers searching inside the house was a Christmas card book that Avril used to check off who she had written Christmas cards to. The last time Margaret's name was in the book was, can you guess, 1999. Wow. So this is obviously a book, you know, she had everybody's names in it, the years, and she'd tick off who she's written one to or not. Now, in conclusion, there's no evidence whatsoever to prove that Margaret's still alive or was still alive after 1999. So Police Scotland launched a proof of life investigation. So this is when the police put information of the individual uh, together on an electronic calendar of said individual's life by contacting, you know, other police departments, health boards, local council authorities, banks, etc, etc, to track these people's whereabouts. So they did this with Margaret and they could not locate anything since the last sighting from Richard, Avril's brother, in December 1999. The only people who say they have seen her since is Edward and Avril. Right. But they can't provide any proof either, you know. It's their word against everyone else's. Now, further interviews with friends and family, they started to make suspicions grow further because one of them, being Richard again, (laughs) this time it was April 1999, the morning after the Woody, the Woody? The Ruby wedding anniversary party where he found Margaret locked in her bedroom with cardboard tubes around her arms and was making a weird wailing sound whilst dragging her fingers down the window. So what did Richard do? He felt really uneasy about the whole thing, as you would, but he did not want to question his sister. So him and his family turned around and got back in their car and decided not to stay. Now, in the end, the police took over 500 statements from people who had known the family, and not one of the statements could assist with the whereabouts of Margaret Fleming between December 1999 and October 2016. In August 2017, almost a year after Margaret's reported disappearance, an inspection by Inverclyde Council declared the home unfit for human habitation and a demolition order was issued. However, Edward and Avril still stayed in the home, even with the hole made in the wall by the police to gain access, you know, when they needed to get all the stuff. Only they had covered it up with a tarpaulin sheet. Now, there's photos again of this place online and it looks absolutely desolate. So we'll put that on Instagram. Now, on the 8th of October 2017, Edward and Avril sat in their living room home with BBC reporter Suzanne Allen. Edward, he looked scruffy. If you see photos of him, you'll understand what I mean. But he spoke with confidence. But Avril, she just sat up, up upright allowing him to do all the talking. She, you know, you'll see as well, if you watch anything with them, she's just silent, a face like a fiddle. Now, Edward went on to talk about the day of Margaret's disappearance, about when the three of them were returning from a walk and that Margaret saw police lights and began to run off. He shouted her back and he stated they were coming for her, you know, as a joke. 
Uh, he said that Margaret had a, a persecution complex, but he managed to calm her down and say that the police will be dealing with an accident down the road. Edward said that a policeman came roaring into the house asking for Margaret so that she then got scared and she ran away. Even though this is the time where the police were around the house and they didn't see her. But he's still sticking with this. Now they were both emotionless. They did not speak well of Margaret or speak like they were trying to find someone who went missing. You know, they had they weren't showing anything like please find her, you know. Now yeah. Edward described Margaret as short, fat, and dirty. She did not clean herself. That's not a very good way to like, you're her carer. Yeah, cleaner. I was gonna say you should be making sure she's clean. Mm-hmm. Now, the reporter, she asked if they have seen her since the disappearance, you know, since she disappeared. And Edward said that they have seen her once. Not in the house, but that they've seen her and that she had cleaned herself up and wasn't shouting. So this is between this BBC interview and them reporting her as missing. He also stated that they had had contact over the phone and that she was in London. He said he told the police this but that they did nothing about it. The reporter then asked where he, like, where she's been within the last year, and he said that she's been in Poland and London, and who knows where else, as she's become a gang master. So Edward is trying to say that Margaret has become a gang master who recruits and hires out agricultural workers. Margaret. This is Margaret. Right. She travels to Poland, London, and it's not that, no, no, she's not a slave in this. She's one of the ringleaders. Okay. Now, near the end of the interview, they were asked what they would say if Margaret is watching this right now. So Avril, she doesn't say anything. She just stares into the camera, even though it zooms into her. She's just stone. But Edward, he's like, if she's involved in this other business, then I would not want to know her. So then the reporter asks, are you talking about being a gang master? And then he states, no, the drugs. Drugs. The drugs. It, it, they're, he's just talking utter nonsense. Now, 18 days after the interview, after the interview in October 2017, the police arrested the couple for the murder of Margaret Fleming. So they were apprehended after a suspected getaway as they were caught at Glasgow Central train station with £3,000 in cash getting ready to board the night train to London along with a key to a safety deposit box, which was in London. Now, even though they had been arrested and they were in custody, the police still had no evidence of her life or death. You know, they couldn't, they still couldn't confirm what had happened to Margaret. Yeah, well... So, obviously, they get questioned. All 37 questions that the police asked Edward, he replied with no comment. Of course. Even when he asked if he murdered Margaret Fleming. He also had a smirk on his face and the person asking the questions was like, are you finding this funny or is this just a nervous twitch and things and he just talked back to them you know he did not care at all he was just your slimy man oh you know what I mean if you watch it yeah I can yeah anyway the next day the couple appeared in Greenock Sheriff Court on the 27th of October and they made no plea 
and they were remanded in custody. Now, flash forward, in October 2018, they appeared in the Glasgow High Court accused of the murder of Margaret Fleming and for fraudulently claiming, are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. £182,000 in benefits. Wow. Both pleaded, obviously, not guilty. Three weeks into the trial, the trial was stopped with no explanation where it, nothing was really given. He said, the judge just said, oh, we have to stop it. And people agreed. And there was, it's probably, you know, got to do meaning, but I couldn't find anything in it. Now, however, though, in April 2019, they were brought back to the High Court in Glasgow to stand trial. And like before, they pleaded not guilty. The case as you can probably remember, had gained a lot of public interest. You know, we're now in 2019. Yeah, there was, that, there was an amazing programme about it. Yeah, there was. Um, so this trial, it was able to be filmed because they got permission from the prosecutor... We can never say this word, can we? The Procurator Fiscal. The, <laughs> Crown, yeah, Office, <laughs> the Crown Office and Scotland's Judiciary Lord Carloway. Now... Um, I'm sure I've said this maybe in one of our other podcasts. It's not, it's a, you can't just casually film a courtroom in Scotland. You have to get permission. Um, but like you just said as well, this is now on it's BBC iPlayer. You can actually watch it. Um, I've got the name further down, which I'll mention when I remember it. Okay. Um, now, um, they both chose to take separate representation in their cases well in their case so they had different lawyers um the defense argued that a body must be found to convict them both you know which i guess strong case however the judge and jury in scotland can convict someone of murder if they believe there's enough evidence even if it's just circumstantial because this isn't the first time it's happened in scotland for example suzanne pilly arlene fraser both previous episodes, if anyone wants to find out more about them. But, like we said before, people have been jailed without a body. Yeah. Now, the key witnesses for the prosecution were Avril's mum, brother and cousin. In 2007, two of Avril's nieces stayed at their home for six months and they hadn't seen or heard Margaret. Like, six months. Nothing. Now, the jury were also told that the couple went to London in January 2000, which is when they will have written the letters that were supposedly from Margaret. You know, they went there the dates that those supposed letters were written. Now, again, apparently Edward, he went to London in 2017 to meet Margaret, but the only CCTV that was him walking alone and he had walking sticks. But then Edward said, because, you know, he's a chatty guy, as in he just keeps going and going, he doesn't shut up. He said that he had seen her walking along Charing Cross. He wasn't with her. However, oh. there was no CCTV of this area that was checked. So they kind okay. of be like, oh, well, we can't prove that that was the case. Now, her teachers, um, they went on the stands as well. Because, like they said, they it's not Margaret. They confirmed that that's not her writing style. It's not the same on those letters. You know, Margaret, she doesn't have a write, reading and writing 
ability of she has a reading ability of an eight-year-old this is not her yeah however there was obviously a fight against this claim because how could these teachers remember this one person from such a long time ago and how could they even remember her writing style it could have changed over the years you know this has been 18 years she could have gotten better her literacy levels they could have improved so much but again they're saying well well she does have learning difficulties she'll have improved but not this much not to the extent of an amazingly written letter so you know it's just things thrown back and forth and if you do watch it on bbc iplayer it's called murder trial the disappearance of margaret fleming so you can see what these people are like and the, the whole court case um you can also see that avril again she was very emotionless she was just stone-faced the whole time yeah. she didn't do much speaking however you'll also be able to see that edward is, was the complete opposite um he didn't they didn't really get dressed up for court either you know how you, you always picture or you'll get dressed up for court like suits and stuff yeah he's practically just in a dirty fleece right and yeah so the trial anyway lasted for seven weeks and the jury only took three and a half hours to deliberate their answer so a seven week trial took them three and a half hours to decide so edward kearney and avril jones were found guilty of the murder of margaret fleming and avril was also found guilty of fraudulently claiming 182,000 pounds of benefits pretending that margaret was still alive on the 17th of July 2019, they were sentenced to life imprisonment with a non-parole period of 14 years. Wow. And that's the story of Margaret Fleming. Well, thank you. Actually, I knew of it and I've watched that programme, but it's like the little bits that you miss, isn't it? Yeah, it's always the case, isn't it? Like, until you sit down and properly either listen to someone telling you the story or do some the research you're like oh wow I didn't realize this was a thing um yeah I I think it's an awful shame obviously like it sounded promising at the start you know she was living with her mum and dad best pals with her dad but then it just went I know I think it's it's a shame because it's about it's the minute some that went wrong with her dad you know yeah life just was never the same again that is such a shame. 